Hello and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. Today we finish our Memorial Day segments for the month of May, and we will begin our summertime segments as well, starting this week. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about Memorial Day party food. And this is Randy, and I will be talking about the military memorials in the D.C. area. This is Beth, and I will be talking about water beads. What are they? Let's find <laughs> out. Good question. Yes. And this is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about Ramadan. As always, we begin with our holiday happenings for the week. Last Sunday was Sydney's birthday, and Yay. then on Monday, Monday was uh, Beth and my 30th anniversary, which we had posted on social media. Which was very fun. Happy anniversary. Thank you. 30 years plus six days at this point. So we're counting down to 11,000 days. Right. So we figured out that 30 years was a little less than 11,000 days. So right about the time we're in Disney, I think it'll be around 11,000 days. Wow. That's it's a lot of days together, huh? Yes, yeah, a lot of days. To be married. The next day was Cole's birthday. So happy belated birthday, Cole. Thanks. Just to point out, they did actually wish me happy birthday on my birthday, too. <laughs> we did. It's yeah. not like a belated, like, how many days would that be? Uh, five. Five. Yeah, yeah, five days belated birthday. Yeah. Right. We didn't forget. Right. You didn't forget. Nope. Just nope. mentioning it now. I could say happy early birthday for next year. That's true. That'd be weird, but <laughs> true. You could. True. And one of the gifts that Cole got from Sydney... So would you like to share what you got for Cole? Yes. Yeah, so at Target, I found this game called House of Danger. It is a card game with a card. It has a little board. bit of a board. It's, it's kind of like a, a story-based game, not like yes. an Uno kind of card game. Right. Correct. Or a Yahtzee. We go through different chapters, have different clues, have a variety of different paths we can take. So it's like a choose-your-own... Remember those choose-your-own-adventure books? It's yeah. kind of like that with a card game. Yes. If you draw a card, it'll direct you to another card. Right, right. Clues, so, you get clues, you have goals. Exactly. That you draw. You can so. use some cards, but not others. Right. So um, the goal is to, you know, solve the mystery. You're like a detective, which is fun. However, you can die in the game. And we have a couple times. <laughs> we died twice so far. Yes. And you make a decision as a group. So you're going together as a team. So when you have an option for a path or an optional adventure, you have mm-hmm. to choose. And it kind of gives you a way to, to figure out how right. to choose so that. So it's, it's kind of a majority ruling. Right. Right. For the best um, part, yeah. So if, if there's an open grave and three of you... But there's something shiny in the grave. But there's there was, something shiny in the grave. And three of you decide... You want to climb into the open grave, and one of you says, "No, I don't want to climb into an open grave." Well, that's silly. Don't do it. Yeah. By the way, that resulted in a death. For us, so. <laughs> a kind of terrible death. Too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Buried alive. And we didn't yeah. even get to see what the shiny object was. Yeah. In fact, I think the card itself said, "The shiny object is within your grasp." However, what it is, you'll never know. <laughs> so it's kind of. Funny game. Yeah. Yeah. Sassy card. I did not yeah. care what the shiny object was. <laughs> right. It was yeah. it's a fun family game. Yeah. So we've been having fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing we did this week was we finished taking down our spring things and moving those out of the way and bringing up our summer items for the year. Right. So that's been fun. That's been a lot of fun. This past weekend, Randy had brought up all of the stuff that is kind of the normal house stuff that isn't associated with any particular 
holiday, but things that I bought over the years that I actually just like for our house. So I got to put them out and add things that we've gotten since the last time and rearrange some things. And then we had to go to Michael's and get some flowers for some vases for new spots in the house. And I'd had a lot of dried flowers and realized that really wasn't very summery and happy. So we went and got some more appropriate flowers. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, we looked at Hobby Lobby Michael's, a couple other places, but those being the two places that we found that you can usually get deals yes. on flowers, yes. whether dried or the or the fake ones. The silk ones, that's yeah. right. And we had gotten a couple things from Hobby Lobby too, a couple vases with flowers for the mantle. So that was a lot of fun too. So we got to get some different things this year. To add to the ambiance of the home. That's right. That's fun and... Festive and summery. That's right. And happy. Right. The end. <laughs> yeah. So something else that's interesting is that today, the day that we're recording this, May 5th, is the first day of Ramadan, which is the Islamic holy month, which involves fasting, which is very important, one of the five pillars of Islam, which I'll talk about last during my segment. And to finish up on the Memorial Day fun that we had last podcast, I will be talking about various Memorial Day party foods that bring an extra fun, festive something to your party and that tastiness. great. Yeah. Things that you could probably use throughout the summertime, like Memorial Day, Flag Day, Yeah, yeah, pretty much Day. anything with red, white, and blue. <laughs> Labor yeah. Day, all those days. Yeah. Yes. First thing I'm going to talk about is cake pops. So all of this is something that you can do at home you yourself can do if your friend is really good at making these maybe convince them to make them maybe have your kids make them for a craft with cake pops you generally need a mold of some sort to make the cake pops is that true no how do you do that so cake pops one way to make cake pops is to make a cake it could be from scratch it could be out of a box you make the cake as directed by you know the recipe crumble it up add icing and roll it oh just roll it into balls oh. exactly i've done this before myself yeah it's pretty good so it's not like just cake all the way through it's cake and icing together correct because the icing will make it keep uh, moldable. it will keep it okay yeah is there a way to make them that's just the cake on the inside that's when you need the special there are molds mold. there yeah. are molds the ones that I found were mainly the ones that you crumble up with icing. Mm -hmm. Then you can either put a stick in it or, you know, just leave them. Like finger food kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Like donut holes almost. Yes. Pour melted chocolate over it, put sprinkles on, etc. So some fun ways that you can add the red, white, and blue to cake pops is you can make red velvet cake pops, which is red on the inside, and you can put like blue or white chocolate on the outside you could put red white and blue sprinkles on it found this really cute cake pop recipe where you crumble up the cake and make the cake pop but as you're molding the cake pop in your hand you're molding it over you know the cherries with the stems that you get like the candy yeah, cherries the maraschino cherries exactly so you basically mold it over that oh. and then pour chocolate over it and the stem that's sticking out you want to get stem and that is your stick oh that's so and you cute. have a little cake pop with a oh, that's cherry. funny. So you can kind of just eat it like yeah. a very large 
cherry. Right. <laughs> That's a really cute idea. It is. And I found another one where um, it had the cake pops lined up with sticks, and it's in the shape of a flag. So you have some cake pops that are blue, and then you have the red and white. And, and the ones that are blue are decorated with star or little white sprinkles. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's how you can spice up your cake pops for the festivities. Another thing to do is, you know, make cupcakes. Classic. Yep. 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 So again, you could always go with red velvet, chocolate, you know, anything that you... Or white. Or white. Anything that you really like. And you can also make it into the form of a flag, right? So we've always seen the cupcakes with like the sheet of icing on top and it looks professionally done and you know you just it's like a cake but it's really all cupcakes right and you pull them apart from the right so you can do that another easier way to do it is just to take the cupcake and do the swirl with the icing and have red and white and blue icing put that into the form of a flag that's just something simple and easy and then just decorate the blue with star sprinkles oh okay so that's something easy that you yourself can make at home right yeah, you don't have to like print a uh yeah <laughs> big icing sheet to lay over your cupcakes right right, right. And i'm a bit of a perfectionist so i can see that driving me just a little crazy by doing that so this this way is a little easier and you can put it on a cookie sheet or something right a little more it. fancy free mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but adorable exactly and tasty yes very tasty another thing that you can do is make brownies and put a little bit of icing, swirl a little icing on top, put red, white, and blue M&M's, sprinkle it over it or in it. Thankfully, M&M's is always on our side with very, a variety of festive colors. Yep. They, they, they always are out. They have holiday color M&M's all over the place. Yes. They do a great job with that. They do. Good job, M&M's. Yes. And they're tasty. Whether you make it, make it from a box, or buy the brownies, and then just add the little extra icing on top with M&M's. Just add something extra for the party. You could also do the same thing with cookies. Whether you make them from scratch or just get the dough from the store. I found these really cute chocolate cookies with the red, white, and blue M&M's. They are cute. That really stand out with the dark background, and that is really cute. I was thinking more like a cookie bar. Yeah, but that's right. another great de- idea. Like decorate your own cookie kind right. of thing? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually idea. a really cute idea. I didn't yeah. think about that, Mom. Good. Yeah. Well, you did it at work. Oh, that's right. your child to work day. So I thought that would be a cute thing for the kids to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just theme it. Right. You know? And another thing, and again, these are all desserts right now, but I'll talk about snacks in just a moment. But kind of going back to things that you can buy, you don't have to feel like you have to make them all from scratch. You can just go out and buy it. And just add little tweaks just to make it fun and festive. I found this thing where you can buy ice cream sandwiches and make the ends a little softer and dip the ends in sprinkles, red, white, and blue sprinkles, and then lay them out. So that's fun. You could do, going back to what mom said, decorate your own cookie bar. If you end up buying a cake, I know there are little American flags on toothpicks. So you can even put toothpicks and sprinkles along the cake and just make it easy. Yep. You, know. you could do that with cupcakes, too. And cupcakes. Make Store it really simple. Yeah. And deviled eggs, too. You put little flags in the deviled eggs. That's, That's actually true. a really cute idea. It is. But, the but you know, with a deviled egg, the egg is white. Mm-hmm. Then you put that red, what's the red stuff? Paprika. 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 So if you could just think of a blue thing, no, you'd have red, no white, and blue. Thing. So it's no funny that you mention that because on Pinterest, I know there is a red, white, and blue deviled egg recipe. 
where you can actually make the whites of the egg different colors. Oh, okay. Yes. Do you make the yellows a different color? No. Oh. You do not do that. <laughs> no Yellow one decided like to. Oh, I imagine that it wouldn't be too hard to make it red. Well, because it's, it's already yellow. it's a pale color. You'd have to because, like, if you added blue to it, it would become green. Like, right. It's, yeah, but if you yeah. add red to it, it would be orange, orange, right? It would be orange. Yeah, but, you'd have to overwhelm <laughs> it with red. <laughs> so that would be really funny. Just yeah. these weird colors. Orange, white, and blue. Double dang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just put some paprika and a flag on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there <laughs> you go. Super cute, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and for snacks, kind of going off with the deviled egg idea, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do with fruit. I don't know how many things I have found on Pinterest that are fruit-related. You could take a watermelon and cut it into thin slices and take star cookie cutters cut out stars, put like blueberries on a stick and put the star at the end. Ooh, skewers. Exactly. Good idea. Yeah. And you can do all kinds of fruit skewers. I saw one with like marshmallows to make the red, white, and blue, right? Red with strawberry, blue, blueberries, and put like some little marshmallows in it. Yeah. Great Um, idea. There are all kinds of stuff we can do with that and probably cream as well. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking cookie cakes too. Yeah. All that good stuff. There are all kinds of popcorn recipes. I've found a variety of patriotic popcorn mix <laughs> that you could do that involve That's like funny. sprinkles and M&Ms and popcorn. There's also like a oh. firecracker popcorn. Gross. The firecracker popcorn I've had before. Is it okay. like the cinnamon candies? Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. I did not like it. I'm not a fan of other things being mixed with popcorn. I've also had red, white, and blue popcorn where it's the normal white popcorn and then like a dye like the different color, and it's not very good either. But some people might like it. Definitely look out there for a recipe that you you and your family will like. Right, because there's also putting white chocolate in there. Mm-hmm, yeah. To kind of add an extra fun little sweet flavor. Right, and you can even make it a festive trail mix if you like. And there are chocolate-covered pretzels, whether it's the long sticks or even just the small crisscross ones. You can make a variety of chocolate into blue or red or white colors all kinds of sprinkles that you can put on top so there's a lot that you can do that adds a little extra festive fun for the square pretzels hershey's has those white chocolate kisses yeah the hugs mm-hmm. that you could use on top so right and then yeah. you can put an m&m on top of that and melt that yep. into the oven that should melt pretty nicely right those are actually some of my favorite snacks chocolate covered pretzels are they yeah i it might be it might be my favorite like chocolatey kind of snack i really really like those yeah. we always make around christmas time the long pretzel sticks covered yeah. in white or milk chocolate mm-hmm. and those are always really good do those, those are one of my favorite parts about christmas time can you do that in dark chocolate yeah if they have dark chocolate yeah because yeah. you use the bark don't you to... i do and it melts really nicely so i just use that yeah. and the white is my favorite the white, white chocolate yeah. yeah and that's just some of the fun things that you can do for memorial day Something else we like to do throughout the summer, really ends up often when we end up doing this, is going to D.C. to museums and monuments and kind of the sites. Sometimes we do it because people are in town. Sometimes we do it just because we haven't been somewhere in a while. And there's a lot of things you can do in the D.C. area. It's one of the things I love about where we live is we're far enough away. I feel like we're kind of out in the mountains some, but we can drive into D.C. without too many issues along the way. And one of the things I found as I was looking at Memorial Day museum information and monuments is that there are actually 17 military monuments 
in the D.C. area. Really? And you'll be talking about all of them. In detail <laughs> today. No, I'm actually just going to pick a couple to talk about. I wanted to see first if you guys could think of any military monuments that you've seen in the D.C. So, area. Well, there's the, there's the Iwo Jima. You're looking at my shoulder. And actually, we haven't seen that one. No, Dad. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember any? No. No? Do you remember any? I mean, when you say them, I'm probably going to recognize them. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'll yeah, probably... that's it. Is it just monuments or is it like memorials too? Because I think the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is one of the best known. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's Arlington. a memorial, right? Yeah, yeah. Memorials. memorial. Yep. So let me just walk through the 17 so you can find out what they are. And then I'll talk about one or two that we have actually visited over the years. And one of them being with the Kincaids. The first one is the U.S. Marine Corps War Memorial. This is the iconic scene from Iwo Jima, the flag raising by the Marines on Iwo Jima. I think it's probably one of the most iconic photographs during the Second World right. War on the U.S. side. It is. And this particular long. monument is in Arlington, Virginia. And I thought it was interesting. It's actually the ninth tallest monument in the United States. Oh. I would never have guessed that. The second one is the Women in Military Service for America Memorial. I had never seen that one. That one is in Arlington, Virginia as well. There's the United States Air Force Memorial. This is a very visible memorial. It's the one with the three large pillars that emulate the uh, aircraft leaving in a particular formation. A little bit of an arc. And that's near the Pentagon in Arlington. There's the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and the Vietnam Women's Memorial. The Veterans Memorial is in the district, as is, I believe, the Women's Memorial. There's the Korean War Veterans Memorial, the Navy Merchant Marine Memorial, both in D.C. There's the National Museum of American Jewish Military History in D.C. Did not know that existed. There's the African American Civil War Museum in D.C. There's the National Guard Memorial Museum in D.C. The American Veterans Disabled for Life Memorial in D.C. The Soldiers' Home Memorial in D.C. The District of Columbia World War I Memorial, also in D.C. Grand Army of the Republic Monument, Ulysses S. Grant Memorial, both in D.C. as well. And I also included an 18th, which is the newly opened International Spy Museum. So obviously, spying happens not just during war, but it does have some elements of military service in there as well. We've actually visited multiple of these The two that I will mention today, the first one is the World War II Memorial, which is on the mall, and they actually took over part of the reflection pond, and some people weren't happy about that. But it's a large circular or kind of oval memorial, and that's the one that we went with the Kincaids. I know, I remember... I remember that now. For this memorial, the World War II Memorial, uh, we actually went with the Kincaids, and you guys stood in front of the pillar for Mm -hmm. Texas... And the pillar for Pennsylvania and then Virginia. So what this is, is there are 56 pillars and two arches. And the 56, they're granite pillars, 17 feet tall each, in a semicircle around the water fountain. And each pillar is inscribed with the name of the 48 U.S. states of 1945. So it relates back to the the war years. As well as the District of Columbia, Alaska Territory, Territory of Hawaii, the Philippines, Puerto Rico, Guam, 
America, Samoa, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And then there are two large arcs on either side. One's inscribed with Atlantic and one's inscribed with Pacific. And it's a really beautiful memorial. Um, it has two inconspicuously located engravings of Kilroy was here. The classic little symbol that brought hope and courage to U.S. soldiers at the time because they knew that our American soldiers had been wherever that symbol showed up. And there's two actually kind of engraved. You can go find them within the memorial. They're not in the obvious what, place. Uh, what is that symbol? It's uh, like a little uh, bald head with a big nose looking over like a wall. So you only see his eyes and his nose okay. and the bald head over I the think, wall. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. So then around the walls are actually scenes of the war, what they call them base relief. So they're kind of raised up along the wall. And you can see scenes along the way of soon-be servicemen getting their physical exams or taking the oath, being issued military gear. So kind of scenes of prep for war and war as you go around. The last scene on the right wall is a handshake between the American and Russian armies when the Western and Eastern fronts met in Germany. There's also this thing called a Freedom Wall, which is on the west side of the plaza, with a view of the reflecting pool and the Lincoln Memorial behind it, that has 4,048 gold stars, each representing 100 Americans who died in the war. And in front of the wall lies the message, Here we mark the price of freedom. So it's meant to honor the 16 million people who served as part of the U.S. Armed Forces during World War II, including more than 40,000 who gave the ultimate sacrifice for their country. It's free. It's open every day. You can go in. And one of the things that we went during the day, I didn't realize how pretty it was at night until I saw some pictures online where they actually light up the fountain and all the pillars from the inside. And so just a beautiful view of the monument memorial that way as well so did you guys remember it as i said it yes yeah okay and i was thinking the three states that you stood in front of were significant to us because we were born in pennsylvania and that's where a lot of our family is so the kids go visit there a lot both children were born in texas and were there when they were little and then we moved here to virginia so those are three very important states to us mm-hmm. The other memorial I'll mention briefly that we uh, have been to several times, and actually I don't even know if you realize it's a memorial, that's the United States Navy Memorial. So we have a friend who plays in the Navy band. He's a trumpet player in the Navy band. And they, during the summer, would have a series of concerts right in the memorial within D.C. So we would go to D.C. occasionally to hear him play. And it's a great professional concert that they're doing with both singing and instruments so it's a great opportunity to to see something of that caliber but you also are in the middle of this memorial and it has a statue a really famous statue called the lone sailor which is a tribute to all personnel of the sea services that overlooks uh, something that's called the granite sea which is a map depicting the world's oceans on that memorial itself so actually when we have been there the chairs of the orchestra and of the people listening have been over top of that, so it's actually kind of hard to see. But you can tell it's a Navy memorial because it has Navy flags, it has masts around it. So there are a lot of symbols that make you realize, oh, this is definitely Navy space. When the concert part is there, it actually has a lot to it as far as navies and the memorial along the way. 
and there are 26 bronze reliefs commemorating events, personnel, and communities of the various sea services around there. And there's an ice cream place pretty close to there because we had ice cream several times at the end or in the middle of the concert. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. And they have restaurants right around there too. Yes, that's right. So there are several monuments, museums, and memorials that you can visit. We've been to others. We've been to the Grant one as well, I think, with the Kincaids. And they're definitely worth the time to go. Not all of them have a lot of information right there. So either on your phone or ahead of time, it would be good to look at the information online to find out some more about the whys and what's. Because there's a lot of detail. Why certain things are facing certain ways. Why there are two things are near each other. I mean, there's so many details that you can miss if you just walk through it. That if you go online, you can find out more information pretty easily. That finishes our discussion of Memorial Day for this year, but that doesn't finish our discussion of beets. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me pick up there. Oh, okay. Our friend Trish recently went to New Hampshire to go to her sister's wedding. And while there, her mom, who's very creative, used water beads. And Trish was telling me about it. She used them both decoratively and she used them to keep flowers fresh. As Trish was telling me about them, I got more and more interested in them. And I thought, you know, that sounds like a fun summer activity. Over the summer, you have fresh flowers and that sounds like a really nice way to preserve them. As well as decorate with them. So, I started investigating water beads. And this is beads, B-E-A-D-S. Yes. Because I heard bees a couple of times. Water bees? bees? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a city's nightmare. <laughs> it's like the one place you can escape from bees. So, water bees. Water beads are actually excellent for bees because they can get water without drowning. They have a surface to sit on. Oh, Isn't okay. that interesting? That is cool. It is. I like bees. Bees are neat. So, water beads are an exciting project. Great for decorating, watering plants. Kids' activities and play. There are so many ways to use this. You can be creative or not. You can look on Pinterest. <laughs> you use just, somebody else's creativity. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the water beads come completely dry. They'll be tiny, hard beads. You have to be careful with them in the package because they will roll all over the place if they get loose, and they're very tiny. Another caution, really, with animals and children is that you don't want animals or children putting these in their mouths. It really actually can be very dangerous because they swell with liquid. And if they're inside your child or your dog or your cat, it will still do the same thing. So just please be cautious around children and animals. For the kids, there's actually a number of things you can do with them once they're saturated once they have turned into big beads for water play for kids they're squishy and fun so at that point that's fine yeah so it's just really a when they're tiny when they're first right. yeah when they haven't learned how to not put things in their mouth right exactly exactly you put them in water for several hours i've seen four hours eight hours 12 hours and they expand a lot one of them said the more water you add the more they'll grow until they reach their size limit. Most of them, I think, are around the size of a large pea or a marble, but I have seen bigger ones. One of the things that I've also seen and read is that 
If you want a darker, more durable water bead, then you want to limit the water that they absorb. The bigger it gets, the less color, and the more apt to break. But they're generally pretty sturdy from what I've read. In what way do they break? They will squish. Like if you have it in a bowl for a kid and they're playing around with them, if they're huge, if they're expanded as big as they can be, then there's a danger of them actually just squishing the Like a water balloon could break if it's too... Right, so you don't really want that. When they absorb the water, they'll feel like squishy gel and will look like a translucent ball. And I've seen a lot of pictures of this, including Trish sent me a couple of hers. They are beautiful. I've seen the clear ones and the colored ones. They are just beautiful. They look like shiny marbles. And they look beautiful in vases. But they're more fun because they're squishy, shiny marbles. They are, and they're very light. So a strainer can be used to drain the excess water once the beads have expanded to their full size or have expanded as far as you want them to. The beads are relatively durable, but they can break. If they're mashed hard enough, they will bust apart, as I was saying earlier. And if you drop them onto a hard surface, it can also break them apart. They will retain the water for several weeks or even up to several months. Eventually, the water will evaporate and the water beads will begin to shrink back down. If you want to be able to use them later and repackage them, just keep letting them shrink. They'll go back down to their small size. You can put them in a baggie, save them for later. If you don't, if you'd like to keep the centerpiece or whatever it is that you've created with them, just add more water and they'll pop back up. So very easy to work with. You may know or have heard of water beads by many different names. They can be called jelly beads, jelly balls, fairy eggs, dragon eggs, water orbs, hydro orbs, polymer beads, gel beads, water pearls, water crystals. So there's Orbeez, I think, is a brand. So there's quite a number of names out there that you may have heard these or if you're like me you could have never ever have heard of any of these names before yeah, like me too right same and now you have mm-hmm. so the water beads are known as super absorbent polymers saps now i have read that they are almost magical to watch them absorb the water go from small to large so i have ordered some the first, the first one that I ordered, <laughs> I'm thinking of orbs. Yeah. The first thing that I ordered is from a kid's site called Sensory for You. These are supposed to end up looking like. It's kind of like a, an ocean palette. Thank you. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Because it's yeah, got it's sort of the uh, aqua yeah. green, dark blue, white, and clear. And right. it's a, it's a pack. It's like a. Four inch by five or six inch pack, a plastic bag, and there's a million of these tiny little beads. Like, like volume wise, I wonder. How, do you know how big these get? Well, we are going to find out because I mean, this it's crazy. week I'm going to put, put those in. in water and take a look at them and see what they look like. There's about four or five hundred of these things in here. I mean, volume wise, right. you're not going to want to do all these. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. you can't. No, no, no. These will absorb like 50 times sometimes their own Yeah, that's crazy. Their own size. That would so, be really cool to like fill up a kiddie pool and dump all of them in. <laughs> I actually, people have done that. That's crazy. In an actual pool. In an actual kiddie pool. And they put things like with this particular palette. What is it called, honey? Ocean. 
Ocean, ocean breeze. breeze. Dew drops. Yeah, dew drops. The ocean breeze dew drops. They will also order rubber sea creatures, mm. mermaids, things like that to put in it. So I'm excited to try those. The second group that I ordered from, it came from something called Gemnique, which are decorative accents. So one is from a kid's site, one is from a decoration site, and these are clear water beads. They're smaller than the Dewdrop Ocean Breeze, so I'm curious to see what they're going to look like. Mm -hmm. Something that Trish had mentioned that her mom said was submersible lights. So I got some of those also. And I got some with remote controls because the idea of sticking my hand in there all the time to turn them on and off seemed ridiculous. Uh, so More like it's a, an excuse to stick your hand in there because <laughs> water beads sound like so much fun. Right. It depends on That's true. It depends on who you are. What kind of person you are. If you it's are either like you or it's like wee. Right. Right. <laughs> So and I these, got the ones with the remotes. And I'm the most excited to see how these work because they're pretty cool looking. They look like you can do nine different, actually 12, 12 different, different colors. colors. Yeah, And you can fade, you can strobe, you can flash the lights, you can make them smooth. And there's two sets of ten in there. So I'm really interested to see how these... Um, I think there's only ten in there. Two sets of ten, right? Mm-hmm. Are they half seven. and half? Well, we will, well see. we will see. Yeah, we will find out. Well, yeah, we'll find out. You might need a strobe to wake up your daughter in a, <laughs> a couple minutes here. So I'm excited to explore the water beads some more and to do some things this week to uh, report back next week, and we'll find out what happens. There you go. That's, <laughs> yeah, you have been introduced formally to water beads if you had not been before, like. I hadn't been, and you hadn't been, and Cole hadn't been, so... Nice to meet you, water beads. That's right. Thank you, Trish and Trisha's mom. Yep, I don't think there's an easy transition from water beads <laughs> to, to Ramadan. I don't think so. Unless water beads are used during Ramadan. Not that I'm aware of. I can make, like, a broad connection, like water beads, water, Ramadan came from the Arabs. The Arabs were known as the naval traders of the medieval world. Wow! So... You did it! Yeah. Congratulations! I did it! Wow. Good for me. <laughs> so, like I said, during the holiday happenings, today, the day that we're recording, May 5th, is the start of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. So, you may have heard of it. If you're not part of the Muslim world, but not be fully aware of what it is or where it came from. Have you guys all heard at least the word Ramadan before? Yes. Well, and it's on calendars now. It's yeah, a, it's on calendars. It's, it's a holiday that comes on digital mm-hmm. calendars. So it is uh, a holy month in the Islamic calendar in which Muslims abstain from eating, drinking, smoking, and other indulgences when the sun rises until it sets. And when I say drinking, I don't mean alcohol. I mean any drinking at all, which includes water. That sounds a little your, dangerous. Your facial expression is... I feel like they should be hydrating. It's a fast. And right. it's a very serious fast. So Ramadan is the ninth month in the Islamic lunar calendar. And because it follows the lunar calendar, that means that the month is always changing. 
So over a span of a few decades, it will fall into all the different seasons. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I did not realize that. Yeah. So this means that Ramadan is usually a little easier in the winter when it's colder and the days are shorter. And it's much harder in the summer when the days are longer and it's much hotter. That makes sense. Yeah, because of not being able to drink at all. So the time after the sun sets is the time to break the fast. And communities and families will usually come together for dinners or feasting at this time. And sometimes there's some kind of small celebration too. There's some notable exceptions to the fast. If you're pregnant or nursing... If you have health concerns, young children, and travelers to some degree as well. Interesting, when they said travelers, because that made me think of the Hajj, which is the annual pilgrimage to Mecca. So that made me wonder if those two ever fell during the same time, that pilgrimage and Ramadan. And they don't, because the Hajj always takes place in the 12th month of the Islamic calendar. And Ramadan is always in the ninth month. Okay. It also moves, but they're always separate. So it also moves, but they're always separate. The fast is intended to be a time of introspection, and it's intended to sort of give appreciation for what you have and what God has given you. Ideally, the fast should remind you of those who are hungry and thirsty, not of their own accord, and encourage you to give freely to the less fortunate. So it's a time to pray and become more dedicated to God and doing good. And fasting itself is very important in Islam. It's one of the five pillars of Islam, along with the Hajj, which is the annual pilgrimage to Mecca, which every Muslim, if they are able, should try to do once in their lifetime. And if you don't know, Mecca is the holy city in Islam. It contains the Kaaba, which is the center of Islam, sort of very generally speaking. And then the other pillars are faith, prayer, and charity. Non-Muslims are also free to participate in Ramadan, according to tradition, and non-Muslims are often invited to attend prayer and the iftar dinners. And those, the iftar dinners are the dinners when they break the fast. Is it seven days a week? So there's no real weekend for it. No, there's no weekend for it. So it's during the entire month. Ramadan means scorching in Arabic. And it was established very early in the Muslim world. Like any religion, there's a lot of practices and traditions which are carried out by believers in Islam, which don't come from the holy text itself. There are plenty of those in Christianity that we do that don't come from the Bible directly, but that we've developed over time. They're traditions. Traditions. The Hadith is an example in Islam of a set of laws that do not come directly from the, from the Quran. But Ramadan is interesting because it is directly from the Quran, and it's outlined in the Quran. So I actually own a Quran. I'm going to read the passage from Surah 2. This sort of the chapters of the Quran are broken into something called surahs. As a historian in college, you studied regions that had a lot of Muslims in it. Is that right? Yeah, I did. My focus was on Central Asia, India, and Iran. So there's a lot of Muslim influence in those regions. So this is very much in my field of history, unlike a lot of the other 
historical subjects that I've covered over the course of the podcast. One sort of joke that we have is that anything history-related, you're like, oh, well, Cole can do that. Right. That's because you're a historian. I'm a historian, right, but that does not mean that I know everything about all history. Your field of expertise is in that region. My field of of expertise is in this region of the world. And India in particular. So I was very excited to get into this subject. And that's one of the reasons that I own a Quran is because of that influence in that region of the world. All right, so let me go ahead and read this passage. It's a very large book that I have because it has the it has footnotes and the Arabic translation too. So the passage goes, Ramadan is the month in which was sent down the Quran as a guide to mankind, also clear signs for guidance and judgment between right and wrong. So every one of you who is present at his home during that month should spend it in fasting. But if anyone is ill or on a journey, the prescribed period should be made up by days later. God intends every facility for you. He does not want to put you to difficulties. He wants you to complete the prescribed period and to glorify him in that he has guided you. And perchance you should be grateful. Okay, that's the end of the passage? That's the end of that passage, yep. The first passage which describes Ramadan. It is pretty clear about the intent. The tradition itself came with the rise of Islam in the 7th century CE. It spread with Islam in the periods of the 7th to 9th centuries. After the Prophet Muhammad's death, there arose a number of caliphates, which were large Islamic states, under the leadership of a holy steward, which was called a caliph. A lot of people will refer to a caliphate as an empire because it sort of has the same basic structure of an empire. The largest of all of the caliphates rose during this time was called the Umayyad Caliphate, which sprung up shortly after Muhammad's death uh, and had the very specific mission to always expand its borders. So, during this time, Islamic tradition spread very quickly throughout the world, like Ramadan, as being one of the primary tenets of Islam, spread very far and wide during this time because of this edict to always expand the borders of Islam and the caliphate. This led to the caliphate taking up territory from Iberia and France, all the way to Sindh at the border of India, and all the way up to the Caucasus, taking up all of the Arabian Peninsula. So the borders of the empire were only stopped by European coalitions in the west and Indian Rajputs in the east. So do you know if, like in Christian traditions for different holidays, that are regional, you know, like we've had part of this podcast talk about different ways Italy versus France versus England versus the United States may celebrate something. Mm-hmm. Is how they break fast, the types of foods they eat, what kind of party they throw, do you know if that tends to be regional? It does tend to be regional. The traditions themselves are sort of universal, the way that people participate in Ramadan. Foods themselves are going to be different if you're in Afghanistan or if you're in Morocco or if you're in, say, the Balkans. And the other thing I found interesting when I was at 
one of the um, commercial space companies that I worked for after I worked with NASA was we did some work with one of the Islamic nations. They wanted to build a satellite that would precisely measure both lunar and sun movements such that they could get a better understanding of when the day ends each day in Ramadan precisely. Like they wanted it so precise that they actually wanted to spend money on a satellite to calculate it as the sun sets, you know, continuously sets around the world, right? So they wanted to be able to get telemetry down and said when it was setting precisely. The, the preciseness of when the fast ends seems to be an important part for some of the Muslim community. Do you know if that's important for all the Muslim community? I mean, obviously it varies from person to person as far as personal importance goes. But generally, mm-hmm. it's very important to the Muslim community, the preciseness of it. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that the exceptions are very specific. The ill, mm. the pregnant, who can, like, that not kind of thing. Participate. Who cannot participate. Everybody else should participate in the fast. Right. There should not be any sort of middle ground right. between that point where you can maybe break it a little bit. Yeah. Or it is very exact in that these are the only exceptions. You should not break the fast up until that point. And I should say, I don't know if they ever actually did end up building that satellite or not. I know we just did some preliminary work to say what they would need to do. I haven't ever followed up because I left that company, so I don't know if they did or didn't do that. Mm -hmm. In the historical section, I'm very much generalizing here. There's a lot more specifics to the way that Islam spread and the borders of the empire. I sort of very generally described. But I'll get more into Ramadan and Eid al-Fatr, which is the end of Ramadan, next week. Great. Thank you for that information, Cole. It's very interesting. We will continue into our summer series now that we're moving beyond Memorial Day next week and the weeks to come. We will end this podcast with our future festivities for the week of March 27th, which is Monday, March 27th, is Memorial Day. (laughs) And Beth and I actually will be in Disney on Memorial Day, just to remind the kids once again that we're going to be (laughs) away. We'll be having our picnic there. Funny thing is, is uh, March 28th is National Hamburger Day. Why they're separate, I have no idea, but maybe it's leftovers. We maybe. should make sure that we have hamburgers then on that day. Oh, we should. 29th is put a pillow on your fridge day. What? That's actually related to good luck, so you oh. don't have to wait till that day to find out more information about that. I thought that was funny. The 30th is water a flower day. I will say, if that's the only day you water a flower... Your flower is probably not going to do very well. well but, unless it's like a succulent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like a once a year yeah. thing. <laughs> the 31st of May is Save Your Hearing Day. Oh, none of you said what? That's funny. That would have been too obvious. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really funny. <laughs> June 1st is Say Something Nice Day. Really, that should be every day. It should it be should every day. Be. But it's not. <laughs> and June 2nd is... National Rocky Road Day, which is Yum. the ice cream, not the actual yeah, Rocky is. Road along the way. So that's it for this week. As always, you can find us on social media on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram at Holiday Moons. For Facebook, both our page and our group, you can find us by searching Holiday Moons, all one word. And you can contact us anytime by using the Gmail account, HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Randy, Beth, and Cole, happy Happy beginning beginning of summer. summer. Bye-bye.